Hi, I'm Deborah Bauer, and on the journey today, I am talking to Linda Hill, who is one of the world's top-ranking astrologers. She has lectured at many of the most prestigious astrological conferences, with 29 lecture tours of the United States and three world tours under her belt. Her modern interpretation of the symbols, 360 degrees of wisdom, charting your destiny with the Sabian Oracle has been published internationally. I'd like to welcome one of my absolute favourite astrologers, Linda Hill, who I have known for many, many years now and um, I was lucky enough to be the recipient of a reading by Linda how many years ago now, Linda? I don't know. It must be 15. It must think? be about 15 years ago. I haven't lived ago. in that house for a long time. Well, it, it changed my life. I can tell you it changed my life because up until my reading with you, I had sort of had a very traditional education on astrology. And although that's wonderful, as you know, there's so much depth to this art. And you have a unique outlook on astrology, you have a depth to it that I had not come across from anybody uh, before, and so you're an originator, a bit of a pioneer. If you could just explain a little bit about how you came across your particular way of looking at a chart. Well, that's a big story, but I guess I, my father was an astrologer, and he was an Edgar Casey healer as well through the sixties and the seventies. Wow. And um, he didn't have a lot of effect on me, my father, but every now and then he'd say, oh, Linda, you're having a Jupiter transit. Uh, you should get a job with Qantas and then we can all fly, you know, cheaper. And I was like, yeah, Dad, whatever. Um, and then uh, when, after I had my two children, I saw an ad that said, you know, um, do you want to learn more about yourself through astrology? So I ended up studying astrology and I learned from Alia Griffin, who was a fabulous teacher. And I, um, I loved his teaching so much that mm. I did second and third year concurrently. Mm. So what I'm saying here is that I was doing things in third year that I haven't even come across in second year because, yes. you know, I was doing them at the same time. I was, I was just eating it. I was having astrology for breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's all, you know, I was consumed by astrology. So in one of his lessons about progressions, which I happen to love progressions, I use them all the time, um, he mentioned the saving symbols for our progressed lunations for the new moons. And, and I went, oh, that's really interesting. What's he talking about? And so he wasn't teaching about the saving symbols, he was teaching about progressions, but he brought the saving symbols in. So then I found a, the Dane Rajar's book on them and I looked at that and I thought, oh, that's interesting, yeah, that's really interesting. Then a clairvoyant friend of mine said, Linda, you're, I'm going to do a reading for you. This is on my birthday. And she said, and, um, and I want to cut this right down, but she said, uh, you're going to travel, you're going to have a speciality in astrology, you're going to write books, and one's going to be huge. And she said, and you're going to uh, particularly go to the United States, and you're going to lecture at conferences and stuff. And I'm there going, what am I going to lecture on, Aries, Taurus, Gemini? I don't think so. And I said, I feel sick if I get up in front of people to speak. And, and Georgina said in her very British accent, I'm just telling you what I'm saying, Linda. It's just like, oh, okay. Um, okay. And so within six months of uh, her telling me that, I, I gave a lecture in America on the Sabian symbols. Okay, so I had never heard about Sabian symbols until I met you. And of course, since that day that I had that reading with you and you introduced me to Sabian symbols, I have always now considered the Sabian symbols in relation to a reading or Great. looking at my own chart and I love your newsletter and we'll be talking more about how people can find uh, your wonderful work as we uh, as we talk further but if you could just explain the Sabian symbols and what is the history of of Sabian symbols and and also how you connected with it. Yeah, well, um, they came through in 1925. Um, there was a fabulous man called Mark Edmund Jones, who is an astrologer. He was also a Hollywood uh, scriptwriter. He had 30 of his uh, treatments, as they call them, um, made into, um, you know, uh, silent movies, I think, and then talkies or something. But it was right around that time. It was in the 20s and uh, in California. And um, he was also a minister of the church, and he was also a spiritualist and, um, and an astrologer. And anyway, he knew this woman, Elsie Wheeler, who was crippled with arthritis and had been 30 years in the home for the incurable in St. Louis, Missouri. 
and he asked her to perform an experiment with him and so he got 360 uh, 3 inch by 5 inch white cardboard cards, index cards they call them, and on the back of each one he would put the, the degree of the zodiac, so he wrote Aries 1, Aries 2, Aries 3, Aries 4, all the way through to Pisces 30, so that was 360 cards. He took, took her to Balboa Park in San Diego, this is 1925. She was crippled with arthritis, so that would have been had its own restrictions in amongst that, especially in 1925. So she had a nurse with her, I know that for sure. Um, I've researched all of that. But anyway, um, he would put a card in front of her with what, was, what the sign and degree was facing down. So neither he nor she knew it was written on the other side of the card. So he would randomly take a card, put it in front of her, she'd see something in her mind's eye, and, and would say a phrase and he and so he would write the phrase on the card and then discard that card and then shuffle the cards and take another card and put it in front of it so it was completely at random neither knew obviously what sign or degree they were dealing with she wasn't into astrology she she didn't know about it she wasn't into astrology she was obviously a spiritualist medium to have even done this thing uh, he, his idea was that what was coming through L.C. Wheeler was the ancient mind matrix from Mesopotamia from thousands of years ago. And uh, um, at one point they said, um, um, Mike Edmund Jones said that Elsie Wheeler stopped. She just stopped. And he said, what is the brother doing? Because Mike Edmund Jones said it was a brother of the Sabian alchemist from 2000 years ago from Mesopotamia. And Elsie Wheeler said, he's standing there with his arms folded. I mean, when I hear this, part of me goes, what? But, you know, now I have to just, you know, I mean, it's like the most amazing story. Anyway, and Michael and Jones said, why is he standing there with his arms folded? And Elsie Wheeler said, because you got something wrong in the transcription. And then so Michael and Jones said to Elsie Wheeler, uh, said that he wanted to test the brother. So he said to Elsie Wheeler, why doesn't he fix it? I mean, you know, Mike had been chosen someone with a pen, with That's a card. Right. And the reply came, because you are in time and space and he is not. So when I read that stuff, you know, it's like, oh, my God, okay. You know, and anyway, so they did all that in one day, 360. So it's been worked out that if they did an eight-hour day, remembering that she's crippled with arthritis and couldn't just get up and go to the toilet. She was confined to a wheelchair from the age of three. So this was a big deal. Um, uh, if they did it in an eight-hour day, then a symbol came through Elsie, and Mark Evan Jones wrote it down, every minute and a half for eight hours. Every minute and a half for eight hours. They did take breaks. He spoke about that. They did 90, took a break, took another night, did another 90, had a bit of lunch. They drove around San Diego a little bit, and then they came back to the same place, and they did another 90, then another 90 in that course of that day. So then Mark Evan Jones had 360 cards with these phrases written on the back. So the phrase is the Sabian symbol. A Sabian symbol is a phrase, and the phrase means something. Like the fourth degree of Taurus is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, or um, the 22nd degree of Aries is the gate to the garden of all fulfilled desires, or Aquarius 18 is a man unmasked at a masquerade. And these things have meaning. You know, we can take that phrase. I mean, you know, I, I seem to have this ability where I can write five pages on, on a phrase. I didn't know I had that ability until my friend Georgina said I was going to do this stuff. And then I asked for it, you see, two weeks after she told me that at my birthday. I sat in my chair in my office and I said, oh, my God, I want what Georgina said, but I don't even know what that means because I didn't know what she was talking about. It was just going to be something in astrology. So I just put out there for it. I just, I just said, I want what Georgina said. I want to travel with my work. I want to have the respect of my peers. I want to do something really different in astrology. She said, you'll have a speciality no one else is doing. So, so you read about it and... It just you... grabbed me. It grabbed me 100 miles an hour. You're listening to The Journey on Soul Traveller Radio. My name's Deborah Bauer. And I'm talking to Linda Hill, one of the world's top-ranking astrologers. We'll be back shortly with more.
So Linda, I mean, for a lot of people that don't know anything about the Sabian symbols and how they work in somebody's chart, let's look at the new moon Mm, on March the 20th, 2015, which is uh, going to be the equinox and the start of the new season. Yes. So very important, Mm. very important time to look at a chart for everyone at the beginning of the astrological year. Yes. And it's, but it's the new moon in Pisces, isn't it? Well, yes, you know, I mean, I think the last one was in Pisces and people were saying it was, no, it's Aquarius. I was like, how can it be when it's only one minute off Pisces? A minute, you know, meaning one minute of time and the moon moved into Pisces. Three minutes of time and the sun moved into Pisces. So, mm. it, you know, so I, I was having a bit of a difficulty with that, but that's okay. It's just semantics. It was all going to be what it was going to be regardless of what we called it. Yeah. But to me, that was the Pisces new moon right there at the beginning of Pisces. And of course now is this next new moon, which is on the last gasp of the last degree. Mm. Um, it's nowhere near as cuspal in terms of at least you've got an hour and a half or an hour and a quarter or something, and then the, the moon moves into the next one, whereas the other one was just one minute. That's right. It's got that Pisces feeling about it because um, Mercury and Neptune are conjunct, which means together with each other. Mm. Um, so, you know, Neptune's at the ninth degree of Pisces and, and um, that is eight plus and uh, Mercury is at the twelfth degree of Pisces and that is eleven plus. So I should really explain that for your listeners that, and you know, I don't want them to glaze over, but the only complicated <laughs> thing about the Sabians really is that when you're looking them up, you always add one to the degree in order to get the, the right degree. So for example, if it's a the sun, which is in 29 degrees of Pisces mm. for this new moon. It's Pisces 30. So you look at Pisces, Pisces 30. 30. In the Sabian symbol. In the Sabian symbols. So why that is, is because the zodiac starts at zero, but the Sabian symbols always start at one. I wanted to change the system, but it was, just wasn't going to work. Mm. You can't change a system once it's been around for years and years and years because, mm. you, you know, it's going to cause chaos when people who know how to look it up in the right system, you, mm. you can't change that. Mm. Mm. So, uh, you know, in the Zodiac, there's no 30. No. So you... So it's 29, you know. So anyway, so you just add one. You just mm. don't worry too much about the minutes. Um, mm. You just put, you know, you put your finger over the minutes and just add one to the degree. Yeah. Anyway, don't want to get too complicated there. So that... This, this last degree of Pisces, you, you read Pisces 30 in the Sabian symbols. And when you're looking at a chart, for example, this new moon chart on the 20th of, of March 2015, where do you start? Where's the first place that you start when you're looking at uh, the Sabian symbols? Right. Well, sometimes a particular one will jump out at me. I haven't got any formula now. Well, of course, with my brain, uh, with the Sabian symbols, I've got them all in my head. So I don't actually refer to a book anymore except when I get a bit tired or I think, oh no, I better just check to make sure I've got that right one. So because I've got them all in my head, every now and then there'll be one, well, it happens every time I look at a chart, um, one particular symbol will jump out and I can't tell you what that is. Mm-hmm. It's more, see, when I started with this, it was really, oh, you look at the sun first and then you look mm-hmm. at the moon and then you'd look at Venus or Mercury or Which whatever. Which is traditional astrology. That's right. <laughs> but that doesn't really work for me anymore. So... You know, if I pick up a chart, I might I might go, oh, look at that, Uranus is on the 16th degree of, of Aries, and it will speak to me uh, because of certain stories or things that I've seen in other people's charts or things I know are going on in the planets now, right. whatever it happens to be. There's always it's a story. very intuitive. Well, it is very intuitive, and I think that it opens up the intuitiveness of people when they start to use the saving yeah. symbols. You're really using your right brain. In fact, sometimes I get so, when people will ask me a question, and it's quite a reasonable left brain question, and I'll be there going, uh, um, 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 <laughs> you know, because I really do get into that right brain. I really, and it's sort of like, oh, don't, no, I can't, you know, <laughs> it's funny. Sometimes I'm fine with it. Other times it's like, no, no, I can't answer that right now because I'm, you know. It sort of makes sense when you think of where it's come from with Elsie. Yeah. The background behind it. Mm. And the fact that obviously there is, once you work with this and with your knowledge of astrology, it's that deeper layer which you have to go into the intuitive level to actually get to. Yes. So when you're looking at this chart, what speaks to you? Well, what really does jump out, of course, is the sun and the moon together there. And this is an eclipse, this, Mm. um, this new moon, so it's even bigger it's um, a total solar eclipse. So we're talking about a major event. Um, 
you know, it's it's going to be an interesting thing. So the sun and the moon really do jump out, especially as they're so cuspal, like right on that last degree. That you know, they're just half a degree off Aries. Yeah, that's true. So, um, so yes, that that one really jumps out at me, and it's an interesting one too. This one, it it really talks about who we want to be when we grow up, <laughs> and no matter how old we are, we might have that feeling. Sort of like, well, how do we see ourselves and how do we want to see ourselves and what vision do we give to ourselves and why do we have that vision? Is it the correct vision for us? Is it, does it really map who we are? So it's the great stone face that a young boy grows up underneath. It's one of the longer, more complicated Sabian symbols. The great stone face, you know, it's taken by, as, an, as an ideal by a boy who grows up underneath this great stone face and as he grows up, he begins to look like it. What it means is basically, it's like he grew up under Mount McKinley or we might be more familiar with Mount Rushmore. And so just say, he grew up under Mount Rushmore, the four presidents there, and he would look up and he'd see them and he'd go, oh, one day I want to be president of the United States. And then he becomes president of the United States. So that is a story that Nathaniel Hawthorne, the American author, wrote. Um, and I think that's the inspiration that came through Elsie Wheeler was about Nathaniel Hawthorne's book. Yes. It is, you know, a primarily an American oracle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the stake, the great stone face uh, representing, you know, the ideal to a boy. It's like, you know, all those things I said about, you know, who do you want to be when you grow up and all that. And that so it's the last gasp of Pisces I find it quite extraordinary. But the last gasp of Pisces in the saving symbols would be a stone figure when it's coming out of the ocean. But then you go to the first degree of Aries, which is just the nanosecond after the, this new moon, mm. you know, the, the, the moon and then the sun goes into Aries. We're right on the cusp of Aries there with this new moon, with this solar eclipse. And that first degree of Aries is the uh, mermaid emerging from the ocean, a seal embraces her. So it's so fascinating. And how did she do this completely at random with no, no conscious forethought at all? Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, she gives the first degree of Aries as a woman emerging from the ocean. Yeah. She's coming out of Pisces, see, because Pisces is the ocean Absolutely. ruled by Neptune. And so she's coming, she's, Aries 1 is coming out of Pisces, if you, you know, as a sequence. And so... Like, I couldn't make it up. If I sat down and made it up, I would probably say, okay, the last degree of Pisces is going to be the woman coming out of the ocean, and the Mm. first degree of Aries would be the great stone face. If you get (laughs) what I mean. Yeah, I do. But it's more perfect the way she... Well, she didn't consciously do it. Something was coming through her that did this, and so what this has led me to believe, I just want to say this at this moment, is that it feels like this whole thing is very holographic. Like, our consciousness is... You know, our lives are holographic. It's like... We no sooner think of something and it appears in front of our eyes. You know, it's that whole we create our own reality, which I don't know how much of a percentage that is, but it's a big percentage. Yeah. I think there's also fate. And that's the $64,000 question, you know, is how much is fate and how much is free will. Mm. Also karmic. Well, absolutely. And then what does karmic mean? Mm. And I also, you know, sometimes I stop, I hear myself and I go, oh, the North Node and the South Node, they're very karmic points. And then I, then I always pull myself up and go... The whole thing is karmic. Yeah. I, you know, I think that there is more of a thing around the nodes being karmic, but I think that all of the degrees are karmic. Anyway, so where this new moon is coming, you know, this this, this uh, eclipse is coming into that first degree of Aries, so it's saying, okay, we're coming ashore. Yeah. You know, that first degree of Aries, the woman emerging from the ocean, and the seal embracing her is it's almost like the mammal that's, you know, embracing her and welcoming her out of the ocean and onto the land into conscious awareness of who she is. But it's the beginning of that phase, you see. So magical and amazing. Absolutely. And mermaids don't talk. They haven't got a voice. They haven't (laughs) learned to speak yet, you know. Um, And also they don't have feet, you know, they have a tail. And the idea is they're meant to lose their tail and then they're meant to walk onto the, the, you know, onto the land. Mm-hmm. Um, so at first, it's you know I really see this first degree of Aries, which is very big on this new moon. It's a it's a big it's high focus. This first degree of Aries, it's very much about us finding our voice and our feet. That's what this new moon is to me. It's like who do you want to be? Who do you see yourself being? Who do you see yourself growing into? And then you know that landing on the shore. Where is your your voice and where are, are your feet? Yeah. And so and then you know we head off into Aries. 
Yeah, I, I find this cusp to be extremely exciting. The imagery of the mermaid with no feet yes. and no voice. Yes. And the seal. You can see the symbolism so beautifully. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it gives each degree a story. And, you know, as you progress through the sign, you know, those stories tell their stories to each other. There's a saving symbol that's the, um, and the node will be going over this fairly soon, so this will be affecting all of us in one way or another, the North Node in Libra. We'll be going over the ninth degree of Libra. Right now it's on the 10th degree of Libra, so we're, we're on that cusp of that too. And, and the saving symbol for the ninth degree of Libra is that three old masters hanging in a special room in an art gallery. When no one is around, they seem to speak to each other. Mm -hmm. And that's Mark Evan Jones' some degree, the guy that gave birth to the saving symbols. It's like there's a dialogue that happens with the saving symbols. Mm. I think that's, and, and I really do feel that this new moon is bringing a lot of that to the fore. Mm. You know, people really um, getting more into their art, people into their psychic awareness, hearing these messages. The south node in this new moon is about a teacher giving new forms to traditional symbols. So that's pretty extraordinary when you think that's opposite the, the three old masters hanging in a special room in an art gallery, because it's very much about how do you interpret something how do you interpret something? You know, that's what I ask people, you know, at the bottom of my book I always put, what does this symbol say to you? Because we all have our own interpretation of a symbol. If I was to say, you know, two prim spinsters sitting together in silence, you know, uh, to someone it'll look like this and then to someone else it'll look like that. Exactly. Because it's a phrase and it's, and it, you know, it's open to interpretation. And that's where it's exciting. Mm -hmm. If it was very black and white, I wouldn't find it, I wouldn't be fascinated with it. Well, it's, it's fascinating not only uh, in what we're discussing now, which is the new moon and, and, and any other events, but then when you apply it to the birth chart, it's, it's just amazing. Well, yeah. It's just amazing. Let's go back to this, this uh, new moon. New moon, It's yes. very exciting. It's got an already a very strong Aries flavour for a Pisces new moon. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's right. Um, there is a strong Aries flavour, especially as Mars is in Aries, you know, which is the archetypal... Um, you know, Mars rules Aries, mm -hmm. uh, and Uranus is there, of course, and the South Node. Um, the, the thing with Mars, it's on this fabulous degree, and I think it really resonates with that first degree of Aries. Um, it's the gate to the garden of all fulfilled desires. Very nice. So that Mars is saying, you know, are we standing at the gate? Are we going to step up to the plate? So the day before, this is ballpark, but yes, it'll be the day before the new moon, um, Mars will be on the boxer entering the ring. So the degree of 20 plus in Aries, which is Aries 21, mm. that's the boxer entering the ring. Mm. The next degree on, which is where Mars is on the new moon, is Aries 22, and that is the gate to the garden of all fulfilled desire. And I see these both as a bit of a binary. That's like the, um, you've got on the one hand, you've got the boxer entering the ring, which is gonna be the day before Mars is gonna be and so that's interesting, Mars in Aries on the boxer degree. This Mars is like, uh, when it's on the boxer entering the ring, I see that as stepping up to the plate. Yes. And then when you've got the gate to the Garden of All Fulfilled Desire, I see that as stepping through the gate. And so they see this as a binary of stepping up to the plate and stepping through the gate. I see these two degrees. And so Mars is going to be really illuminating that. And um, so it's like, where do you want to be? How do you see yourself being that? And are you prepared to take life on? Are you going to put on your heavyweight belt now? You know, are you going to, are you going to put on your duking gloves? And it doesn't have to be that you're going to knock anybody out or even get knocked out yourself. In the boxer entering the ring, it says, okay, you've been training for this now. Whatever that is, doesn't matter whether it's your art or your writing or, you know, what you do for a living, what you do for fun, uh, getting married taking the plunge with someone in a relationship or whatever, you know, it's like when the box is entering the, entering the room, it's very much like, are you ready to step up to that plate and declare yourself ready for that? And then, you know, and of course, and then there's the stepping through the gate to the garden of all fulfilled desire. So I love these two together yeah, very and they're nice. very poetic and mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's a matter of being prepared to tackle life. I think this Mars in this, in Aries, You'd say that anyway, with just, you know, your normal astrology, you would say Mars in Aries is about tackling life. But when you've got it on the, the 21st and the 22nd degree of Aries, that's a double whammy. 
And would you call that conjunction with Uranus that also... Oh, yeah. Well, we're just having that experience. I mean, yes. that's part of the reason, you know, that a lot of people feel like they're tearing their hair out this <laughs> week, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Mars is conjunct the South Node right now, and so that's the hair tearing, and it will continue to feel like that. It's sort of like there's going to be a lot of, like, what about me in this next week? Yeah. And so it's highlighting also the Uranus-Pluto square, which we've been having for a couple of yeah. years, which is a whole other story. Which is still going to, even though it's gone... Well, March uh, 15, I think it's yeah, finished, but, you know, it's splitting right. hairs, but, yeah. yeah. Even though it's gone, that's right. I mean, it's, it's, it's influence, the fallout, the, the rebuilding, mm. you know, all of that yeah. is, 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 is Leading what's going to happen. Exactly, exactly. But, yes. So I'm that's just... all rather exciting because the Mars is, gonna, is playing into that whole story in terms of Mars is squaring Pluto and conjuncting Uranus. Wow. And I think, you know, as the final hurrah of this whole story is, um, and I think I was putting hoo-roo and hoo-rah together in that final hoo-rah. Never said that word before. It's that a good one. one. I know, I made it up hoorah. on the spot. It's the, you know, it's the teacher remaking old symbols. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that, you know, for the final push of this Uranus-Pluto square, what could be better than having the Mars in such high focus yeah, exactly. coming into it in the way that it is? I mean, that's got to be stirring up a bunch of stuff. Exactly, and uh, and almost even echoing and reminding us what that Uranus in Aries is really all about. At the end of the day, Uranus is still on its path, even after all these terrible squares with Pluto. Yeah, yeah. It's still on its Aries path. I know, I've got a while and, yet. And reminding us that, you know, it's, yeah, it is about stepping up to the plate. That's it is about stepping up to the plate. It's going to be doing that even more. I, I see it as um, Uranus in Aries as being... Um, what about me? Where am I in this story? Where's my individuality? You know, stuff all that. You know what I mean? Like Pluto in Capricorn is the is the big guys, the bankers, the the insurance companies, the the governments, and all this sort of the Pluto plutocracy, and and so here's Pluto like in the midpoint of Capricorn as well. Mm. This is even makes oh, I've never even thought about this until just this minute. Yeah. And then there's Uranus at the midpoint of Aries squaring yeah. each other with mars being there so the big, really big thing about this whole thing i think is like you know it's it's the occupy movement it's uh, so so many things it's it's the what about me and it's anarchy it's like yeah. no i'm not going to play your games and and but pluto goes well we'll just repossess your house mm. Mm. so you know it's like we have to really position ourselves somehow or another so that we don't lose in the story but also remember our individuality and being able to, you know, make a mark on our own lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's got a lot to do with finding our, our feet and our voice. And I think that's the Uranus and Aries as well. And what about me stuff is the social media. It's like, okay, you know, I can put my voice in there now. I can sign 16 million change.org petition, you know, whatever it happens to be. I really like the degree of, well, I like a bunch of these degrees. I think it's really fun. You know, got Mars on the gate to the Garden of All de- de- Fulfilled Desires and mm. we've got Venus on the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Oh. Um, Venus on the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is just a beautiful thing, you know, and, of course, that can mean where do we want to be again, you know, like, oh, well, where do we see ourselves being? It's all part of that as well. But it's a beautiful, beautiful degree. It's just that there can be a little bit of mourning in this. I know it doesn't feel like it, but the next degree on is the is the widow standing at the open grave. Mm. And so I think, and I think this will be in high focus, this, this Venus on the widow standing at the open grave, which will be the day following this eclipse. And I'm hoping that there's not some big event there quite often can be on an eclipse. Anyway, I don't want to go there. I don't want to put that out there. But um, I am finding it interesting. It's 100 years since um, Anzac, you know, for us Australians and New Zealanders. And the progressed son of uh, Australia is the widow standing at the open grave. Mm. And the degree of Anzac every year on the 25th of April is the widow standing at the open grave. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, it's mind-boggling how that went, honestly. That's a whole other thing. We won't get into that now because your listeners aren't all from Australia, but it is absolutely mind-boggling. When I did that, my jaw just hit the floor. When I progressed Australia's chart to this year, it's on the widow at the open grave, which is the degree of Anzac. It's the 25th of April. When they went ashore at dawn, the ascendant was the widow at the open grave, the sun was the widow at the open grave. Mm. And so I think that there's something there. And like I said, I don't want to release too much about the open grave, but it's also letting go of the past. 
So I think that's a big message too. We don't have to all think, oh, something terrible is going to happen because no. Venus is going to be on the widow at the open grave. I think it's much more than that, obviously. I think it's um, the ability for us to say, oh, I'm going to bury those things from my past that no longer work for me. I'm walking, you know, Mars is on the you know, gate to the garden of all fulfilled desire, for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. You know, we're stepping up to the plate, we're stepping through the gate, and, uh, you know, we're looking for our pot of gold. And, you know, and the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is just a blessed, wonderful degree. Um, and I think that the, you know, the next degree on of the widow degree, I think that is saying, okay, time now to leave things that no longer work for you that mm. they can be relationships issues possessions things that just don't work for us anymore memories thoughts that just don't work when this particular degree the widow at the mm. open grave is she grieving at the open grave she's she actually is kneeling at the grave ready to receive the secret to eternal life oh yeah it's lovely Ooh, mm. this is a bit of cockatoo for those yeah winter. yeah i know they're so wonderful they're so noisy here in Gorgeous. The and out in the afternoon too we might hear a bit of that they just go off their brains we're very lucky here in australia our bird we life we are awoken every morning with a cacophony kookaburras or magpies or currawongs or so uh Yes, getting back to so so the widow is she's kneeling. kneeling. At she, the widow grave. is kneeling at an open grave. She um re, yeah ready to receive the secret of eternal life. How extraordinary! I told that I told the story about that. I was telling the story about that in New Zealand, and this woman. Oh, it's a long story. I won't go into the whole thing. But anyway, she she did her numerology, and it ended up coming to thirty five, which is thirty five is that's the thirty fifth degree of the zodiac. It's a long story, but she said that her husband had built her coffin already. Oh, she wasn't sick or anything. I wasn't planning on dying or anything. So I'm there in my le- in this lecture in New Zealand, going, "Really? He's built your coffin? That's very kind of him." It's a bit too kind. It's another story for another time. I'd love that was to an hear amazing that one. story. There's a lot of stories. There's a number of things I like about this chart. I, I think this eclipse, even though it's an eclipse, which can unlock a, you know, a whole bunch of you know, <laughs> interesting energies, it, Uranus is on that midpoint of Aries and it's on one of my very favourite degrees and that is the 16th degree of Aries, which is the brownies dancing in the setting light of the sun. And I've seen this degree again and again to mean that um, when you believe in nature spirits or angels or fairies or people turning up when they're needed or events turning up when it's needed or help arriving um this degree ensures it's going to happen oh that's lovely it's like the more you believe in it obviously the law of attraction and all that stuff but the more it actually happens because there's a story about brownies that brownies are nature spirits and of course we can think about the brownies of the girl guides and that's where they got their names from because they're helpers Mm. but the actual you know it, it comes from sweden the idea of brownies and they're nature spirits and so they come and they help you with your work particularly when you're feeling a bit tired so you might be there going oh, I got up what I wash up you know and then suddenly the nature spirits stand start dancing in the in the light and it can really revive us and, and not only that that you know people turn up events turn up money turns up um, possibilities turn up when you need it mm. and so it's like you know we can really feel that you know we could really do with a break because the degree before Uranus in this chart is the uh, it's the um, Indian woman re- um, weaving a blanket, and so it can be like oh we have to weave we have to continually having to work we have to put our output out there we've got to you know we've got to be producing all the time doing stuff you know, and the Indian weaving the blanket I do see that as a degree of work even though it can be beautiful handicrafts and it can be very rewarding. Sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just making this blanket and people are walking past me and they're going, oh, that's just an Indian woman in the street making a blanket. You know, whereas it's like, wow, look at that handicraft. Look at that amazing woman producing that amazing thing that Mm -hmm. I would have no idea how to make myself. Do you know what I mean? It's that reverence for handicrafts and art and abilities, you know, so... I think that a lot of people are probably feeling rather tired. I think I think that's pretty universal, and it's been a lot of solar flare action. I think that's been really, you know, adding to the stress of Starfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I loved uh, the way you described uh, that degree on your website because Linda has audio on 
the last new moon and also other really wonderful descriptions of, of some of the aspects that we've just had recently uh, in, in extended versions and they're fabulous they're absolutely fabulous and you need to go and listen to them but you mentioned the degree before that you just mentioned the Indian woman I love the way you talked about how in those uh, the Indian woman weaving mm. the, uh, the blanket the blanket that there is this mythology that they're actually weaving their story, stories their history mm, into yeah. that which is just so beautiful so that is where we're coming from we're moving to that next degree as you said which is getting help from the brownies which is quite sweet is that, is that the one yeah well that's the actual degree of Uranus is the brownies you know and so the Indian uh, woman is the one before it weaving mm. the blanket the one after it is the two prim spinsters sitting in silence and that, that can be a reminder that we need to communicate with people, with our friends, you know, not, not keep our silence, you know. Or it can be a, going into a moment of silence. It depends on individual situations, of course, you know, mm. how we feel. But um, I like to look at the degrees before and the degrees after because I see it very much as a story that unfolds like a sequence. Yes, on your um, your website, you go into incredible detail on the audio about the the karmic degree, which is the one before. Oh, that's right. And then what's the one? The after? quest. The quest. Yeah. So you're actually there. You're looking. You really are looking at a sequence. You are, and it's just absolutely fascinating. It just uh, it never fails to blow my mind, even after all these years of working with them. Um, and there's something here to be learnt too. It's interesting because Chiron, you know, which of course is the wounded healer, um, I've long looked at Chiron as being the stories we tell ourselves. Mm, I and that. I got that because, yeah, I asked um, uh, an astrologer friend of mine years ago, I, and he's really good with Chiron, and I said, you know, can you tell me, what, how do you see Chiron? And he said, well, you've got to remember, Linda, that, you know, Chiron was a teacher. And I, oh, yeah, of course. And... Um, and then I put it together that Chiron is um, uh, a storyteller. That went around in my head, a storyteller. And then I went, oh, it's the stories we tell ourselves. So that's how I look at Chiron. Um, I look at it as even more that than the wounded healer. I'm a bit bored with the story of the wounded healer, to be honest. Well, the wounded healer, you've just put a, you've just shone a most magnificent light on that, Linda, because the wounded healer does have a very negative connotation of which there doesn't seem to be a way to get out of it. Well, some people say you never heal your wounds. Well, the thing is that I think if we drop the stories, you see there are no wounds without a story. Mm. Mm. There's none. That's right. And so if we drop the story, well, the wound just goes away. And whatever that happens to be is how your mother treated you when you were a kid or the fact you hurt yourself when you were 15 or whatever it happens to be. You know, if we, we decide that it's not an important story in our lives anymore, then it loses the grip over mm. us. Mm. But it's interesting in this particular new moon, which is an eclipse, the Chiron's on the teacher degree. That's 19 of Pisces. It's a master instructing his disciple. So even in that, we could say, okay, you know, it's like Linda's telling herself not to listen to those negative stories that she's mm -hmm. built up over her whole life. We, you know, we can tell ourselves, mm -hmm. we can be the master and the disciple of our own story. But I think it goes much further than that. Of course, this, and, all, and all the symbols have all these different ways, myriads of ways that they can manifest themselves. All the way from, you know, black to white and white to black and all the grey shades in between. So, you know, a master instructing his disciple could be someone saying, you better do this or else, you know. Or it can be, you know, this is a great lesson for you here, read page 36. Or it can be, you know, it can be um, uh, having realisations yourself or becoming a teacher yourself and realising the great teacher that we have within ourselves and, and realising the great student we have inside of ourselves. There's all these ways that they can manifest, but they'll manifest within... I've had people say to me when I've said that, they say, well, you can make anything up. It's like, no, it's in, within the bounds of that particular phrase. Yes. Yeah. But the manifestations of that can be many because the master instructing your disciple where well, you could have this disciple tied up on a chair and be nagging <laughs> or the disciple could have climbed a mountain to get to that master and you know you know yeah i do know and i love it because for me astrology's always yes. had that element of choice your chart was never meant to be exactly. a static point where you could not emerge from totally and 
too many people do have that fatalist view, I think, and so when they uh, look at some kind of uh, spiritual reading, they're almost in trepidation of what if they say that to me or what if that sends that thing in the chart that might be negative. And, and I don't even look at it that way. No, well, most, most professional uh, astrologers and readers don't, don't look at it that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. So in a way, our job to be the teachers. That's right. The chironic teachers, as opposed to, to, to explain that, no, you're not limited. That's right. By your chart. It's um, how you look at it and how you grow from it is, at the end of the day, your dharma or karma or however you want to call it. But, but I love that because I also have very strong chironic um, aspects in my chart. And whenever I've read about it, it's like... It's the yeah. wound that never heals. heals. Of course, the, there was always the uh, added concept that in order to heal Chiron, if you could become the healer yourself, then that's right. was the teacher. So, you, you know, you've put a beautiful spin on that, which I, I just love that way adds of looking that, at it. Adds to that interpretation, I think. And something else, yeah, that's what I wanted to say, is just that... Um, I see that a chart doesn't tell us what we're going to do. It really doesn't. I think you agree. Mm. Um, it do, you know, it's. I mean, yes, there are people who can say you're going to have two children and you're going to be married to the age of 30. And there are people who practice that sort of astrology. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know how to read it. Or when you're <laughs> going to die, I'm not interested. Don't want to know. I've heard that are some people that are capable. Of yeah, some. And, and, you know, and I think the more clairvoyant um, and amazing they are as astrologers, the more likely they can do those sort of things. But I wouldn't hold anybody to those predictions mm. but I, I actually think the way I look at it is that um, the consciousness of the person is not even shown in the chart mm. I I look at it that um, the consciousness of the person is in the person it's not in the chart and you can look at the chart until you go blue in the face you are not going to see their consciousness you're going to see a roadmap to their possibilities yeah. and their their gifts and their talents and um, and the possibilities of fate and the possibilities of their free will yes they're shown um, you know, that this year might, you know, might have a certain bend to, you know, there's all sorts of ways we can look at stuff and know that certain things are going to happen. Oh, sure. But it's not um, the chart, just such a flat one-dimensional thing, mm. the chart, and mm. the person it has all these dimensions and all these possibilities. It's just so wonderful. Mm. So when the person fronts up to the chart, that's when the chart comes alive. Mm. In a chart, we can't say that's a male, a female, you know, a black person, a white person, an Australian, well, you can tell Australian if you know the coordinates, yeah, but if just looking at the chart itself, you're not mm -hmm. going to know, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't say this is German heritage person. You can't say they're gay. Mm -hmm. People go, oh, what's, you know, how do you tell a gay person in a chart? Well, it's like, well, give it up. You can't. Mm -hmm. You might you say might there's some, it. You, yeah, might say, you might say. They might have Aquarius yeah, or a right. bit of a Uranus, but, yeah. you know, they might not be gay mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. So you can't pick it. You can't. You can sort of go. Yes, I can see that tendency there, and you and you might be right. Um, so it's a funny one, but that doesn't mean it's hit and miss. Mm. When the person turns up to the chart, that's where it gets really juicy. Yeah. So when I do my readings, I actually don't have people turning up anymore most of the time. I just start talking. Wow. So okay. I just get their information, and then I just start talking. And I didn't even know I could do this until I don't know five years ago or something. I started doing it. Because I said to someone, uh, they asked me if I would just record my observations. And I was a bit like, oh, okay, you mean we're not going to have a conversation? <laughs> anyway, so I got them to send me like a paragraph or two, that's all I need. Sometimes I don't even want to see what they've got to say about their lives. And I just cast the chart, I put on the recorder and I start speaking. Mm -hmm. And the Sabian symbols tell the story. And the planets, and the aspects, and the signs, and the houses, because it's all part of the same thing. But it's just that the Sabian symbols in particular speak to me and it's interesting because being spoken to is very much in this chart yes jupiter is on the 14th degree of leo and that's um cherub like a human soul whispers into every receptive ear seeking to manifest cherub like a human soul whispers into every receptive ear seeking to manifest and so this you know jupiter is trying uranus um and this week, you know, Mars is trying that Jupiter too. So there's a lot of big push for freedom. And mm. there can be a lot of anger around, you know, a lack of freedom. You know, they can be like, don't treat us like that. Where's our freedom? Which I've already sort of said. But the Mars trying the Jupiter that we're having this week in the lead up to uh, this new moon makes that even stronger. Uh, this cherub like a human soul. This is Leo 14 that Jupiter is on. So what it's saying here is... What messages are you receiving? 
are your ears listening? Mm. So it's a little bit interesting. Well, I think it's very interesting because we've got, you know, the first degree of Aries, we've got the feet and the voice. And then in the Jupiter, we've got the ears. Yes, wonderful. So it's hearing as well. And then in, in the Chiron, we've got the teacher and the disciple. So it's quite a profound new moon. This oh, one. yeah, I really liked them. The minute I looked at it, I went, oh, I like this new moon. Even though it does have, you know, as with everything, there's a, a, a few of the symbols that may seem, you know, a little daunting. It's actually got a very positive feel to it. I think it's got a positive feel to it. And uh, I think that... You know, this is giving us a great taste of a new arrival, a new beginning or a new possibility. It's definitely been so on the, you know, the spring equinox. It's sort of like, wow, talk about stepping through the gate. Mm, mm. You know, of course, here we're going into autumn here in Australia, but it's all the same thing. We experience the same change of season. Um, it's always accompanied by a sense of things moving on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's beautiful. It's interesting the Mercury is on 12 mm. degrees in the mm. Satan Summer. So it's, um, yes, it is conjunct Neptune. And so in the week leading up, you know, we've got, we've got Mercury going across the face of Neptune, which is going to be very interesting. Makes it, it does add to the Piscean flavor mm. of, of this mm. new moon. And so Mercury's on Pisces 12, and that's the examination of initiates in the sanctuary of an occult brotherhood. Mm. So this can be the feeling of like, where we really look at our lives this can be really strong. And, and we, we also can be judging others. We can be judging ourselves and judging others. And that's a little bit of a, a slippery thing here with this degree. We want to be, you know, I, I hear myself when I say this because sometimes I'll have a big rant about the political landscape or whatever's going on in the world. And I think then you're I, not the only one. Well, that's right, but I do want to listen to myself when I say don't judge others, which is part of the story of, you know, the 12th degree of Pisces. Um, so the examination of initiates in the sanctuary of an occult brotherhood is like, you know, do you, do you feel like you haven't passed the test to step through that gate, you know, using that Mars imagery? Um, do you feel like you're standing there at the gateway going, oh, am I allowed in? Can we put that thing in there to open the door, the lock, the key, the secret password? You know, because the examination of initiates in the sanctuary of the, uh, an occult brotherhood, it can be where we feel, do we measure up? Is they, are they judging me or am I judging them? But it can be really good because then we can say, you know, I need to measure up to this and I just need, I need to step up to the plate in my mind. I see it as good. I, I do. I, I like it. it. I, don't think, I don't dislike it. It's just that it can have Because it. I think that's what a lot of people are calling for when, when you're talking about this, you know, political raging and dissent is that is that you know people are saying hey if you want to have a position of such incredible power mm, and authority right. you need to you need to be stepping up to the plate morally ethically that's and right. everything else and that's what half the problem is that we're discovering as you mentioned in your last new moon you know the horrors that we're listening to with sexual abuse schools churches all different oh, religions just horrible but on the other hand it's wonderful that it's finally coming out finally being spoken about so that this this filth can be cleansed and and healed for these people because it, it's going to change things and that's what of course uranus in aries it's its biggest and the square, job that's right and the square to pluto but even even on top of that which is exactly right um neptune's been on the seventh degree of pisces and the seventh degree of pisces is the large cross lying on rocks surrounded by sea and mist wow it's been on that for months that's why all this is going on and so it's going to retrograde back over that as well it was on it last year mm. and so the large white cross lying on rocks surrounded by sea and mist it's sort of like wow Okay, so it can be the dashing of our hopes, but it, it's not confined just to Catholics or just no, to Anglicans. It can be Jewish, you know, because it's just a symbol, yes. you know, and it can invoke all sorts of religion. It can even be talking about Buddhists, you know, because there's been Buddhists killing Muslims and Muslims killing Buddhists. Yeah. And all in the name of, 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 of deity. Whatever. Whatever, you, whatever your faith is, it's really changed a lot of people's perception about, you know, what is God. Uh, it's more and more strong with me that it's, it's actually how you act, not who you pray to, you know. Well, that's exactly right. Well, Walter Russell, who is one of my very favourite people of all time, he's been dead for 50 years, uh, he died, you know, sometime after I was born, um, he, uh, he was a polymath and he was like a modern-day Leonardo da Vinci and he was a master at every single thing he turned his hand at, left school at the age of nine. He communed with God and he said that God is light and God is electricity. Wow. 
And he says that light doesn't travel. Mm. And Tesla said about Walter Russell's findings is that Tesla, Nikola Tesla, mm. said that Walter Russell should take all his, fi- all his scientific findings and everything he ever came up with and bury it in a capsule for a thousand years until humans are ready for it. Mm. That's how far ahead Walter Russell was. So it's interesting to me. I mean, I, I love Nikola Tesla. I mean, obviously, the man, man was a major genius. Mm. But uh, but he uh, Tesla apparently was it was in awe of Walter Russell, who very few people know about. Yeah. Um, Linda, uh, as we're looking at this um, first new moon of the the astrological year, mm. and the fact that it is the first eclipse as well, mm. uh, I don't know whether you've had a chance to glimpse at the uh, lunar eclipse coming. I would love to yeah, invite you to yeah. come back and, and talk to to the listeners about uh, the eclipse, which will be uh, the full moon. Yes. And of uh, the the Libran full moon. Yes, it must be. But I'd also like to direct everybody to the audio that you, you've already got because you've, you've actually gone into even more detail uh, on your website and also if you want to have an incredible in-depth look at your chart like you cannot even imagine how how uh, enlightening it is contact Linda and let her look at your chart in a way that nobody else has ever looked at your chart before and uh you will be gobsmacked. I don't know whether gobsmacked is an Australian saying or I not. I think it is more. I say it when I go to the States. Um, what do they say? Yeah, yeah. They tend to think sometimes you find that you've moved on to say something else and they're still staring at you wondering what gobsmacked. But, but they do like it. Oh, we do have some fantastic yeah, sayings. Yeah, I think it's yeah. more. I think it's English, actually. It's oh, is it? Gobsmacked. Yeah, yes, gobsmacked. I suppose I've got to do my yeah. British accent. But, Linda, look, thank you so much. It's, it's just been amazing. I'm actually now... Uh, really excited to to be sharing your great wisdom with, uh, with Thank the Thank you. Listeners. How wonderful and, is that? And is the best way for them to contact you on, on to get to you at your website? Yeah, come to the website. and uh, you my, got a Facebook my, page, I'm sure. That yeah, I do, yeah. You can look for Linda Hill with a Y, Linda with a Y, Hill. Or you can do a search for Sabian Symbols and you'll find me. Symbols is with a Y as well. So it's um, one word. S-A-B-I-A-N. And then symbols, yeah. Well, it's not one word when you see the two words together, but when you're looking for, you know, the .com, of course, it's all one word. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, and, and my email address is sabiansymbols at gmail.com. They can do that. Or they can write to me at Linda Hill, Linda with a Y, uh, at gmail.com. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, so they can get me in all those ways. And That's yeah. fantastic. I'm very excited about this This new moon it's 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 looking good it's got it some is. positive feel i think it's so new- overwhelmingly positive yeah. i just want to finish this with the, the the degree following the mercury is the sword in a museum and i think that uh that's been around too with that museum story i've got which is enough for another time but the 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 uh the uh, sword in the museum it's very much about laying down your sword, stopping the fighting, letting go of the struggle, whether it's in our heads or with someone that we've been arguing with or, you know, whatever it happens to be, it's to, to lay down the sword. Oh, that's beautiful. I that love nice. that. What an incredibly positive ideal that, of course, we would most people would love to see. That's right. So something to look forward to. Thanks so much, Linda. Thank you.